Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. Positive. That's right. And to avoid any lazy... <laughs> All right, guys. To avoid lazy negativity, we're making this a drinking game. Uh-huh. So the game is simple, people, and it's mostly for us, but we hope you join along. Anytime we say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. And that sound means that we are going to actually, we're going to drink actual alcohol, depending on how much supply we brought for this movie. I'm kidding. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime. So there you go. So I'm now yeah. drinking actual alcohol. And we hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass. And if you guys can just talk amongst yourselves, because I've just need to finish up with my therapist. I've just seen an Ariasta film in IMAX. So. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Pre-show shot. Jesus Christ. He's so on the other like, line. I'll be back in a minute. So much like this movie, we should open with therapy. But then the next time we see that therapist, I want it to be really fucking weird. That's it. All right? Just like this movie. Um... You guys good? You guys ready for the show? Do you guys need to go um, feed your cock in the attic, or you think you're ready to start? What do you, See, no what do you one, think? No one Dude. outside, no one in, in, outside of spoilers is going to get that reference. I know. That's why it's okay to, <laughs> to say. Um, oh come on! I can't wait. I just should say to everybody listening: um, call your mom. You know, tell her you love her. Uh, <laughs> maybe while you're at it, call Ari Aster's mom. If she answers, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> She Dave. Dave, that's an inside joke. It's fucked up. Get out of here. Oh, David. Um, I'm all right. Hey, mom, is it hot down there? We're gonna yeah. get into the episode in a second, people. If you're. <laughs> Any, anyone, anyone who's listening Don't touch in a, the glass. Anyone who's listening Don't. in Australia gets that joke. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Dave to implode. In front of an audience in a second. Um, you just see a hand appear like it. <laughs> so, um, well, that just uprooted our episode there, Dave. Um, so uh, if you're new to the podcast, we try to keep it spoiler free for about 10 minutes. I think this is the kind of movie that we're going to have to open it up pretty quickly. So oh, yeah. even on the even on the macro level, you <laughs> know, we can see the non-spoiler show, everyone. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to we'll at least tell you if we liked it, if we recommend it. We'll try to do that. But then we got to go to spoilers pretty quick. At the end of the episode, we'll tell you what we've been watching in our segment, what you've been watching. And we're going to gripe a little bit at the beginning just to catch up. So if you're in an absolute mad dash rush, if you are rushing to hear a positive film podcast talk about this three-hour movie if you're yeah, in a rush to hear say, it you, yeah. <laughs> then uh just scoot ahead like five minutes if, if, so, you, have, so. if you have so much add you can't possibly just wait like five minutes then this is not the movie for you um boy john why don't we why don't we shout our sponsors out and then we'll slowly segue into this here episode on boat is yeah, afraid sure we have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozzo. You can find that gentleman's handle in the show notes if you want to go to Instagram and check out all his beer-making shenanigans. That gentleman's name, Carlos Barozzo, the handle, cbarozzo.beer. Give him a follow. Give him a like. Give him some a, love. The music. What a oh, cool handle, though. How, how do you get that? cbarozzo.beer. That's <laughs> yeah. great, right? Isn't that a good one? <laughs> And the music on this episode, in every single episode, is provided by the one, the only, the legend, the artist, Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find their music available on all the music platforms. Once again, check our show notes for the link tree. Mm-hmm. You can find your way over to his Spotify, Apple Music, all the usual places you download music. So, He's uh, available yeah, for parties. Just don't let him near your hamster. 
Sure, sure, sure. I recommend checking out the new Nescient <laughs> series. I'm getting Dave drunk. He's got to say he's got a 6 a.m., but we got to get it going. The Nescient series, yeah. He wants us to share the Spotify link. So everybody, get on Spotify and just give him some listens. Let's go. Give him some mm, spins. Good music, the Spotify yes. link is on the link tree. Already updated, Dave. Way to go. Yeah. I know. This has been updated from six months ago, the first time he asked. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> just to get through the stuff, this is Ari Aster's third directorial feature. Ari Aster, I believe, is still 36 years young. Did Hereditary what? in 2018. I hate Soma R in 2019. Yeah, I think him and I were born in the same year. The Tony Collette role in Hereditary is one of the best perform any performance, but probably horror performance that I've seen in a very long time. It's one of the best off-screen um, performances I've seen. One of the best off screen. Yeah. And that's not even a joke. That one scene in that I just can't watch again. I think we all know. Yeah. Um, and uh, that also might be the most horrifying scene slash sequence I've ever seen in a movie ever. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so this is Bo is Afraid. Where Until, he asked, now. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> Ari Aster asked A24, the famous low budget cinema movie uh, company, hey, can I please have 35 to $40 million? I swear I'll get Joaquin Phoenix and we'll make a movie. And I also want it to be my Magnolia slash Bardo slash. Like, yeah, we well, like, made something. Well, I got, look, I respect it. This, we talked about this. This is a recurring theme on here. When you give people a lot of money, they're going to make their fucking movie. Like these young filmmakers, they are not just doing the things for the audience. They are taking their time and they're going, I am shooting my shot. I am making the movie do, I want. Do you and think hopefully the production, I'll get a franchise after this if do it doesn't work the, out. Do you think the production meetings went like, hey, Ari, how, how's, the, how's the $40 million going? Yeah, it's good. Okay, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. I don't yeah, think they asked no any editing. questions at all. <laughs> no <laughs> oversight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody glanced at yeah. this before yeah. it was done. No. I mean, and it, it, and it shows, and I, it, it really benefits from that, to be honest. Um, so we'll get to all that in a second. Joaquin Phoenix leads an incredible cast. Uh, a lot of theater actors, because Roundabout Theater Company's own Jim Carnahan cast this movie. So a lot of theater actors in here, a lot of New York actors. Anyway, we'll talk about all this shit in a second. First, we got to get through our gripes of the week. This is just just to keep us on fo on task. Once we start talking about the movie, we can gripe about anything we want right now. News, any other things? NBC Universal just fired their CEO for an inappropriate relationship. That's pretty newsworthy. Right How before does this the keep writer's happening? strike. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's probably what his assistant's saying right now. Yeah, this is what every company wants right before the writer's strike: is some shakeups on at the top. Just while pilot season's basically a dud this year because nobody wants to green light anything in case they have to stall production. Yeah, right. Even more money. Yeah, we're, no, um, there's no new shows this year. Just their in insurers case are like, we don't want to cover any of this shit. Anyway, you guys have anything you want to gripe about or talk about? Any news? Anything at all? I have a little something left over now that I'm not uh, so much part of the corporate world. Uh, this goes out to corporate. I don't know. America. You're going back. You're going back <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I am, but not as not as much as I was. That's for sure. This goes out to the it. corporate world. In any any place that has a, a, a series of meetings back to back when you book a meeting in a room and your start time is say nine to ten mm -hmm. when you finish your meeting get the fuck out don't stand around <laughs> hang around steal all the food whatever just just get the fuck out of the room because there's like seven other meetings coming in the back it's, it's like those people that stall going out the fucking revolving door it's like there's something coming in hot behind you get the fuck out of the way <laughs> That's all, all right, I have. Wait, is this, you mean like past 10 o'clock or is this even like before Oh yeah, no, they'll stick around till like, sometimes they stick around till 10.30. This is you like running conference room meeting kind of yeah. things? Yeah. yeah, like, it's like, this This isn't your living room and don't you have work to do? 
Right. And if you don't have work don't to do, why are we paying you? <laughs> yeah, do they, do they have work to Isn't do? Isn't there a recession yeah. coming or some shit? Get the fuck up there and calculate some stuff. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Respect. Thank you so much. Everybody take note. John, you got anything to gripe about today? I, uh, that movie was intense, you guys. I can't think about anything else. How about you, Jeff? <laughs> do you have something you I, need I just to... want to quickly point out, John, you're sitting in the perfect position on your screen. Your title underneath reads Lucky John. <laughs> oh my god it does yes. i see the yes. brand written written yeah. ever so ever so slightly um all right all right i have a i have a, I have a quick For one for those of you that haven't found youtube it's it's a great site gag hit it we have a youtube people all right great great me go hit that timer great me all right this is very simple You're and i'll griped. open it up to the floor guys we have to figure out a way to make locker rooms not smell like that <laughs> every locker room has this smell and I, I know why I'm not an idiot but like guys we know that that's in there and we do nothing about it that's our solution to this we get no like fucking oil diffuser right we get no like th they have those HVAC ventilation things to get COVID out that just goes sucks that shit right out so why am I living in this it's basically a sauna I feel like stench is heavier than COVID, COVID I've also been knowing in and an increase in men just walking around naked, like looking in mirrors naked, like the shamelessness of that, which I all respect, like locker room, do your thing. As long as there's no weird touching going on, um, it's totally fine. But the smell, I just, I just don't understand. Nobody wants touching. it. We don't. <laughs> yeah, unless you want the weird touching. Yeah. Mm. I, I still don't, I don't think don't in the locker room, it's the, the locker room at the New York Sports Club is not the place for this, but we gotta do something about that smell, guys. It, it, we can't live like that anymore. We, we can, we're better than that. We, we have solutions for things. Mm. <laughs> Let's get fucking you know Neil deGrasse are, Tyson on this. You know where you are when you smell that, though. You, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you got to know when you got an olive in your mouth. It's so you, kind dude, of if you walk back in that locker room and you don't smell like that, you haven't worked out enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I use the. Well, anyway, I, I just, I just think maybe they do it on purpose because they want you to get the fuck out. I don't know, but it's it's not right. Maybe we should try that in the conference rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Set a sweaty up. gym bag right on the table. I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to waft a bottle to you and I'm going to send it's, it your way, all right? You just funny, actually, open it up. Quick quick, funny funny interlude. Um, I was listening to uh, the uh, Matt and Mark movie show this week. and uh, What's they, that? The Mark and a, Matt movie show? Yeah, the Mark and Matt movie show. And we have they have uh, like those ads that come on before the show. So you get like an ad and then the show starts. And yeah, they, they give us the fucking ads. They, yeah. had, they had an ad for beachbody.com. And it made me wonder <laughs> what ads play before our show. Is it like ads for fucking Alcoholics Anonymous or something? We don't get any. Yeah. I think they're, they're on Blueberry, man. Podbean, you got to step your shit up. Come somebody, on. We, we fill out the thing. Give us the ads. We somebody, see our numbers. Yeah, somebody, somebody, somebody tell us what ads are before our show. Because like, yeah. I don't think we have any, dude. Yeah. yeah. You, know they're, you know they're catered to you, right? Matt and Mark have nothing to do with the ads that you get. And, and in fact, people who listen to the show in New York City and are you <laughs> versus somebody else somewhere else will probably get a different ad. How fucking crazy is that so you were targeted with beach bod i was targeted with beachbod.com I, I reached out to them one time i was like why are you partnering boy, whatever boy did they misread the fucking room uh. <laughs> they gotta shoot their shot all right i think they're looking that, at my browser history all right with that Jesus. Oh, yeah. I th they are they Touching are in the listening. locker room they are <laughs> Can I you forget touch what I was doing. A friend of mine told me that McDonald's app has really good deals, and then I, I realized why they want me on the app. You can't use the app without location services. Come on, they're just trying to make some extra coin, telling people where I am. Dave, I'm of gonna course, get, dude. I'm gonna get some. Hey, you eat shit at night. Ads. 
coming my way. You guys ready to talk about Bo is afraid? Yeah. Bo <sighs> is afraid. John, Jesus. I was I said this to Dave and Mark. We saw it with Mark today. I saw I said this to Dave and Mark after the show, and I, I said I never thought I would say this, but John, go ahead and talk your ass off this episode. <laughs> we are ready for you to fill some time. Mark goes oh. afterwards, he goes, So what do you guys think you're gonna talk about? And then he goes, Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding. Honestly, Listen to us, yeah, people. Because they're doing uh, Evil Dead, so they they're easy. He's like, woo, easy. Anyway, yeah. this is but this is this is why people are choosing us for this podcast. They want us to get into it, and we're gonna fucking do it. We got a film school, bro. We got a guy who left corporate America to go back to his gig life, bro, and a guy that teaches kids voice lessons. Come on, we are coming at you. Bo is afraid. Wow. I already, what I already a give you the pitch. Crowd. <laughs> I already gave you the pitch. Other sh- other other shout outs in the role some of them are surprises but i'm gonna say who they are anyway you've got patty lapone again theater theater patty lapone amy ryan nathan fucking lane was the number two bill at the end of this movie wow you got um i never heard of dennis minache but good for him should i say stephen stephen mckinley henderson and then i'm gonna say it because i think it's great fucking awesome shout out to parker posey who almost steals this movie in like five minutes people come on richard kind come on and then there's one other cameo that I won't spoil. Bo is afraid. I'm going to read this description. It's mm. not going to do anything for you Mind listening. You, Richard Kind not playing it for comedy either this time around. Did I ever tell you guys this? That I was, um, Richard Kind and I were like trying to, we, we, we were down to one city bike at the city bike station and we were trying to like see who's going to get the city bike. This is a true story. Did you have to fight we, Richard Kind? No, what's funny is it didn't it didn't unlock anyway. But we like the two oh, of us were at the, the city bike. You take the bike. It's yours. It's yours. It's your bike. And he looked around. He's like, so he's like, oh, yeah, it was really funny. And I was like, just get a cab, bro. You're in movies. But um, yeah, me and Richard Kind took around 80th in the Upper West Side. He lives near there. Um, what a guy. Yeah. He lives right next to Only Murders in the Building. I don't I don't think he's been on that show yet. But he's local. He can walk to work. Yeah, they should no get him commute. on there. <laughs> it's gonna um, be some sort of fine like discount for that. Actually, a friend of, just walk down the block. A friend of ours was in a play called Enter Laughing with Richard Kind in the Hamptons. There's a theater in the Hamptons that occasionally will get stars because it's like free work in their summer home spot. And he fucking loves Richard Kind. He said he was so great, fun, funny. So Richard Kind, he shout seems out. like a cool dude. We should. Right, I met him at a. I met him at a. He wasn't like roasting him, but he was giving like a, a big, a big speech honoring Harold Prince. Oh. Um, like 15, 10 years ago, oh, yeah. something like that. And I got to meet him at the American Theater uh, event for, for Harold Prince. It was he was very nice, uh, funny, funny man funny. in person, too. Yeah. Just one of those people. He sings at the uh, Kennedy Center Honors for um, Mel Brooks. He's really funny. Anyway, oh, guys. Wait, that's where I've seen him. At 54 Below. He turned up for one of the uh, ensemble shows I was at. Get nice. the fuck out of here. We yeah. all have Richard Kind stories. Yes. Yo, on, our, on yeah. the on the I know guys, we're gonna talk about this movie, but on the 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 Mount Rushmore of Love of Cinema stands on this show, Mark Rylance is at the Daniel Day Lewis is off to the side. He's retired, but Mark Rylance is at the top. And then underneath the three faces, we might be able to add Richard Kind to this list. He I might be on there. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and we all like on. him. Yeah. I like Spin City. He's really funny and at the co-op. He's really funny in documentary now. All right, guys, we got to get For into this sake, episode. Read the IMDb thing. <laughs> Following the sudden death of his mother, a mild... Well, I mean, that, that happens in the movie, but I guess that's okay. Following the sudden death of his mother... A lot does follow that. Um, yeah, good point. A mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on an epic Kafka-esque... Get the fuck out of here. They, they put that in the description, really? 
Yeah. Odyssey. <laughs> That's for them. <laughs> back, back home. All right. Off to you guys. Who wants to go first? Dave and I saw this like two hours ago, by the way. Initial takeaways. What'd you think? What'd you feel? We all. We should point that out that we all saw it right before we yeah. started recording. This. Oh, we, we are all saw right. It today. We are yeah, fresh. I, I gave up half my day and uh, <laughs> <laughs> went over to Lincoln Center. We, we, uh, we, mm-hmm. apparently, what? You, Appar- said you, you were making a knock on how long this movie is. Uh, okay, fair. Ron was great. I never complained about how long it is. Incidentally, uh, I, I should point out that Jeff and Mark had seats together. I think yeah. they were trying to go without me. I thought but you I, got your but seat But I ended for- up at the same session. Mark invited me. It's his. I fault. was Mark- never asked. I was never asked. What is your problem, Mark? That should have been your gripe, Mark. Dave's a, Dave's a little heartbroken, and I was late too, so I don't. I didn't even deserve it. Yeah, I and he laughs at my jokes, but deep down, he's an asshole. <laughs> you talking about me or Mark? Mark, yeah, Mark. <laughs> oh, just to be clear, I didn't miss any of the movie. I was late. I, I came in as Nicole was finishing up because they gave us like a fucking yeah. twenty-second Nicole. Yeah, Dave. the pre-show for this was really short. How was it over there? Because like it was like fifteen minutes. That's of why I was late. I, was, I literally was getting food because I got free. It was pretty things. short here, guys. How how long are we going to put off talking? About this? <laughs> we're padding. Wait, we're padding. I want to say one more. I want to say one more thing. One more thing. No, no, we we're talking about this. this thing. Yeah. One more thing, Dave. This was what? What do they say? Enhanced for Dolby. Like they used a different enhanced word that for I, IMAX. Yeah, and that's for IMAX. I I thought Ooh. it was it was formatted for IMAX or like I thought I didn't I never saw it enhanced. I've ne- yeah, I, I think it's, yeah. I think that's the same thing. Um, yeah, of course they're getting more clever with the fucking verbs. Yeah, it's like it's like I, I was gonna see it in IMAX anyway because I like I saw the visuals and this so I'm like I want this yeah. as big as fucking possible. I wanted the but... loudest possible introduction to a <laughs> blank screen where I thought Dave was gonna have to go in the booth and tell them how to work their shit and fucking noise came and I was like, oh, I mean, these it is AMC. <laughs> it wasn't AMC Times Square. We're good. All right, um, all right t- I'll start. I'll start. Okay, um, I I'm a little nervous about seeing this because I wasn't sure if I was gonna like it and I was like. I'm leaving my house. I'm like, fuck, it's three hours. What if I don't like it? Um, this is a ride. It's a full on ride. Yeah. Um, it's beautifully shot. It's fantastically edited. And the writing is spectacular as well. Like I, I felt like when they jump, like the, I really love the, the time jumps that they do where it, like this is, it'll cut from him straight back to him at a different time. And he's like lost time. And I'm like, that is so good. This is like, it's i saw i mean i saw two people walk out during this and i'm kind of not surprised because like he just channeled an an anxiety episode um crossed with a full mental break and some people won't get it and others really will and they're probably the ones that walked out um because it like some of this stuff could be a little triggering i would say (laughs) (laughs) like i was like what 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 gave that away for you (laughs) when i was curled up in my seat going oh mommy no but uh no it was it was i couldn't take my eyes off the screen for three hours like so there is there's absolutely nothing wrong with this film at all it is just it's not a journey i think everyone would want to take so john my head is off to you for for figuring out a way to say, to say something so uh yeah um just like a lot of his work i think this is going to be very divisive uh, yeah. i think i think the world is 
is starting to get a taste of what he likes to do. So I don't know if anybody's going to be surprised. Um, but this is not a movie that I think most people would use the word I like or I dislike it. Mm, this is an experience. Um, this is a very, very intense, effective, heavy experience built around very, very uh, deep, dark psychological issues that have no happiness attached to them at all. So if you are thinking it's going to deliver some kind of catharsis or deliverance, or if that's mm. important to you when you watch challenging movies, I think people might struggle with this one because of that. Uh, this one specifically, I think Midsommar has some of that as well. Um, they're not. This movie is not as bound to genre the way people who think of him with hereditary, I think he still thinks of this as it's horrific, but I wouldn't say the rules and archetypes that live in the horror genre are so prevalent in this film that you can deal with some of the uh, the emotional weight of this movie because it's coming through genre. This is in your face. It's naked. It's raw. I'll tip my hat to him for, like Jeff was kind of saying earlier in a funny way, he's being himself. He's totally just, mm. you know, writing from from his his own mind and it's, own experience I, mean, I guess or it's the fucking dream to walk into a studio and go i want to make this movie and they go okay and they just let you off the chain like yeah it however weird it is like you see this you see this stuff at film festivals like in the like in the block sections you see like stuff like this in the block sections of film festivals you don't often see a studio releasing something this out there i would say yeah but it's a it's a it's a very tough watch I was in, I don't really know how else to say it. I was in misery watching this movie. This uh, was a very, very difficult film, I think, for me to watch. I have to ask and for you on a I'm scale. I'm not going to go to the spoilers yet. On a scale of one I, to ten, how much nervous laughter was in your theater? That was that was part of it. And yeah. look, anyone who hasn't figured this out, who's a listener of ours, I love dark, challenging material. I love provocative material i'm not i'm not averse to that he shit at all stop challenging shit. provocative material yeah, honestly this is my stuff so this movie has me like i'm reeling trying to understand why i like some and i've struggled so much with ari aster's work as a whole i struggle with it um we can talk about that more in um in spoilers but again i respect him because he's absolutely doing his thing there were two people sitting right beside me that I think Ari Aster paid to drive me insane. They were, <laughs> oh, no. They were, he heard they, your they podcast. Oh, did you go to 4 day? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. They were laughing. And again, I've been in David Lynch screenings where people laugh and stuff, and there's like an absurdity to David Lynch's stuff. This felt so sincerely emotional the entire yeah. time that it kind of i don't think this is the kind of movie that there were comedic moments that i'm sure we're going to talk about that i laughed at too but some where the nervous laughter was there and these guys were just getting a real kick out of the most fucked up shit that nobody else was laughing at and it's like they had an endless thing of reese's pieces that they only ate at the quietest most intense part of the movie <laughs> like, oh, it, no. was, it was it was it was driving me nuts on the bright um, side at least they yeah. didn't take a fucking facetime call sure yeah yeah this is a but yeah i don't really know how else to say it like i'm, I'm gonna try to be positive in this in the fact that like if i knew this man if he was a friend of mine i would say you did what you wanted to do good job you made an effective film i think that's what you wanted to do but i think if he was my friend i would also ask him why why did you feel like you needed to to make it that that difficult to deal with those themes the themes are they come through I mean, yeah. I don't want to not say that. Like the there is no miscommunication. Very, very well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're dealing with. I think I think it 
there were a lot of times where like whether or not you were struggling with your viewing experience because it's so intense and so challenging i bet everybody at our theater at least had one moment if not several moments where they're like i know what that feels like you know mm. so like again i don't want to don't want to take it and sound yeah. too negative um despite how how miserable i was by the end of this experience but it was a it's a very effective film I mean, films yeah, are meant to make you feel you something. It doesn't necessarily mean happiness. That's, yeah. I mean, that's fair. Jeff. I'm going to get to my thing here in a second. So I don't know if, if you guys caught this. So I said that this is his third feature film, but he made like eight shorts. He went to AFI, the American Film Institute in New York. He's from New York, born to Jewish parents. Some people have used, some people have thought about the the, the Judaism you know, especially with the, his relationship to his mom in a lot of his storytelling. I think that might be a reach personally, but that is part of the narrative, so I don't mind saying it out loud. In 2011, yeah, I mean, when I'm he not, was... enough about Jewish culture to make an opinion on that. Yeah, same. So in 2011, which is about the time he probably would be in like a graduate school kind of situation, post-undergrad, he made a short called Bo. Yeah. And the description is, a neurotic middle-aged man's trip to visit his mother is delayed indefinitely when his keys are mysteriously taken from his door. He is subsequently haunted by an increasingly sinister chain of upsetting events, which is actually probably a better accurate description of this movie. Yeah. One tiny difference is that movie's seven minutes long. Ah. <laughs> but um, It was so, meant to so, be two. <laughs> so, and, 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 I, and I, I love this, and, and you know, Magnolia is never going to be in my top five Paul Thomas Andersons, even though if I, I know if I were to push play on it, I'm going to be... It's it's the it's the John. It's your favorite. It's the Mark Marin. What does he want from me? What does he want from me? And in this case, yeah. Ari Aster. I don't know if he wants anything from us. Really, like I, I really feel like he just really wanted to make this movie. Yeah. Um, Sometimes and, you just got a story to tell. Now, what's what's good to say is so. In the gist, I completely agree. Just, the way Dave described it, I completely agree. It's like I liking it. I, I don't even know if those are the right words to describe this yet because it's still a little fresh for me. I know that I was. Um, I was like, entrapped. I feel like I was there and I was in this experience. I imagine a lot of people will agree with me in the the, the theater section of the film, which is in the trailer a lot. The trailer is mostly this 20 minute sequence in this movie. You know, they, they do the, the, at the beginning. I couldn't believe they were in that beginning sequence for so long. Cause I was like, what the fuck? This isn't the trailer at all. <laughs> the trailer yeah. is that dream sequence, which I should also say, Ari Aster, I, I need to see Ari Aster make a play. Somebody give him $10 million to do a play because that was, I really liked the way they did the night today, like the way they did like the 24 hour mm -hmm. thing. I was like, that was like yeah, Zelda was Ocarina at a time on stage. I was like, this is fucking cool. The person with the mask was Angels in America. It was like good theater. Who the fuck was playing um, the music with the notes under the door? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, and that, like all of that kind of stuff. You know, again, that's the kind of thing you watch it a million times and you don't have an answer to. But yeah, you know I, that I the person is later. making the movie they yeah. want to make and you know that they are gifted, you know? Because um, even more than, I guess like his biggest contemporary is probably like Davian Chazelle right now, where it's like these young filmmakers that hit it big early and then started to make the movies they wanted to make even, you know, they all wanted to make their movies, of course. But yeah, like, only he has a better guy handling his release date. Well, anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm not making my, maybe I'm not making my point on that, but it's, you. I knew the whole time this is exactly what he wanted to do. And so I didn't feel like I have felt it last year with a couple of movies that we talked about where I was like, they didn't care about me. <laughs> I don't feel that about this one, but I do, I do wonder 
if he thought about the audience experience a lot other than he knew he, he knew it needed to be funny to get us through this because I think part of the best experience of watching this live and I just have to guess that a bunch of people listening to this in fact the majority did not see this in person at a, in a theater at a group but people stifling their nervous act uh, laughter I, I don't know how I would have gotten through this movie without that like yeah, it's like a it's like a check in. Are we on the same page? Is this happening? There was a couple of the the mom describing like the coming again. I don't know about the spoilers, but that sequence where she's talking to the boy about like her dad, the dad and stuff. I, I, she says like four lines in a row, and the audience was like, "Is this funny or not?" Oh, that's a little bit funnier, right? And it's like we were all kind of figuring out on the way like how to watch this movie, and I appreciated that even though it was driving John insane. And I understand that I need, I, I personally need it. Cause if I didn't have that at home, I probably would have been like, you know, I'm hungry. You know, I have to pee, you know, like I, I think yeah, I would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell I you, think... like I related to that scene completely. Um, just before we move into spoilers, because I was once at a, uh, a toga party and I met this girl at the toga party and we hit it off and it was going well. And I was, I think I was about 17 and my mother was at the toga party as well and was, was drunk. Uh, no, this was, this was a, it wasn't our thing. Like we just got like all the, all the younger people got dragged along by their parents who were going to have a toga party and relive the youth, I guess. And my mother proceeded to tell this girl what color shit I shit on her when I was a baby. And I was like, Dude, that is like devastating to a fucking 17 year old. I was like shut down. I, I don't even remember what happened after that. I blacked out, but it's like, I'm guessing you didn't hook up with the toga girl. No, I did not. <laughs> no. John, what were you going to say? You're going to defend no, yourself. I was just going to say, I just want to clarify like that, that nervous laster thing, like it is important. And again, there were a lot of very, um, he, he wanted that to happen. So I'm not saying that wasn't intentional, but I do know that there were a lot of really healthy um and helpful comedic stepping stones so that it wasn't yeah. just the intense anxiety style filmmaking from sequence to sequence to sequence to sequence um just because the, you know the bulk of it is so so psychological and so yeah. i mean so uh, so effective with the style of filmmaking that that nervous laughter was important and it wasn't that i when i say i was in like i was miserable like that was just like my personal experience like again right. i don't even know if anybody who hates or dislikes this movie should say that it isn't brilliant because mm. he it's just like with his other movies like he's so he's so good at making you feel something which is really yeah. if you if you walked be, out of this angry might, it still did its job i mean for yeah, three hours be, if you felt something after three hours that's impressive yeah yeah i mean that might be a filmmaker's only real job a director specifically to make people feel something with images like that is that right that might be the only job requirement I mean, this whole episode so is going to be me sharing it. shitty things my mother did to me so you know yeah I, i've been yeah, fucked sure. up by this film <laughs> kind of had a feeling you were going to resonate with this but uh but no i mean uh we'll get into spoilers and i think i'll i think i'll ask you guys some more questions but um yeah really let's, quick before, let's do well really I'm quick before to hear why are we holding spoilers what are you be, doing this will be our segue into spoilers because honestly the, i think the biggest of course ari is the biggest selling point and we're a podcast who loves directors but i mean the performance joaquin gives is oh. so he, we need him you know like i, I yeah. know that there's amazing actors I mean, who aren't stars that are great and they, they're looking for their moment but joaquin i can't can you imagine anyone else, else doing and this, this would have seemed silly or something and possibly laughable um patty lapone as well like when she gets her moment and he like, that's the thing Joaquin's such a, a great performer that he he goes all right i've had my minute 
and he sits back and lets her have hers at the like near the end of it and she just goes and it's yeah it's terrifying but he's in basically every scene if not every yeah. shot and he i mean oh yeah, yeah he's, sure, this yeah. is a vehicle for him and and he carries it beautifully and he's still making his choices but yeah. holy shit like what a <laughs> what a just thinking about when you see him with his in his underwear like i was like i had a side image going of like how gaunt and emaciated it is his joker and yeah how gross he looks in this it's just it's crazy what the work what he's willing to do for for his craft i mean this is a this is a real i mean he once he crashed, he crashed the very, oscars very as difficult. a character he was playing <laughs> so. yeah yeah i cannot imagine how taxing this role was yeah i think maybe more than any role he's ever played yeah because he almost exclusively feels one way the entire time yeah it's i, I mean, heard i do have a question to ask later when we get into spoilers but people are getting master's vibes from this and it has to be partially because of him and also because people don't know what's going on but um they i mean just the commitment in those two movies where you're in the whole thing and nobody knows what's going on and they are seeing it through you at least in the master he's having fun <laughs> freddie has fun in the master you know what i mean yeah yeah this some of these some of the most emotional scenes i've seen in a while are all in this movie and they hold on him. the camera holds on him. For a yeah. lot of it, shit. All right, let's, 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 brutal. All right, let's, let's fire, let's fire, let's fire off spoilers. Yeah. Let's spoilers. fire off spoilers. All right, what do you want to start with first? We're in spoilers. I would talk to me about guilt, because guilt obviously bookends this show, it right? It really we, does. We, so uh, there's the Truman Show thing that that Mark, of course, was like, oh, I'm just seeing Truman Show. And I saw, I was trying to see Oh Brother, Where Art Thou a little bit, because I knew that it had some Odyssey mm. appeal. So I was like, okay, different interpretations. Oh, this was definitely Odyssey related. Like, Yeah, for sure. Um... um but I just yeah, want to say straight up front sorry. in spoilers when we get to the end and the mother turns up. Patty Lapone, I'm throwing out supporting actress nomination right now. Like mm, she we'll was sure, yeah. devastating. And She's just having, relentless yeah. as like just an, a bad influence on his life. It was someone who did not know how to parent, who was lumbered with a child and fucked it all up. She's having an interesting moment in the musical theater zeitgeist that we don't have to get into now, too. In a good way. There's nothing necessarily wrong with her. But anyway, um, interesting choice for her. Yeah. But I also love that they segued into her. One of those dream sequences, mm. it looked like the young version of the mom. And then all of a sudden, I definitely heard Patty. And I started seeing it, but it wasn't quite Patty yet. So he did some, I don't know what they did. but it, Oh, my it God. Was, the sound mix on this. The Easter lights was when she was telling him yeah. the story. And then the she, she like slowly started, started turning into Patty, right? It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, I should have thrown it out before we went into spoilers. But holy fuck, dude. He loved the sound mix in this. I was sitting in Efro in IMAX, and so I got all the separation in the spatial audio. God, those and poor fucking it was sound designers. So, <laughs> it was so disorienting. It was Having like to to those, so all the good. Fucking... At one point, I was like, who the fuck is making that noise behind me in the theater? Like, it was so good. Yeah. Like, when the, you know when the bath started overflowing, and I was like, who the fuck is, like, doing something there was a lot I mean, of it this wasn't. It was mirroring too yeah, of like yeah. the the bat like the absurdest things happening in the real world that would also mirror things in the dream world. That I thought I don't know. I'm not saying he could have gone further with it, but like it was interesting and it was like just enough where it's like oh yeah that connection and then you move on and it's like oh, how much of that do I you know it's it's I don't know whatever whatever they did with the spatial audio in this it it I was on board. This is this is the oh sure that's the spatial audio use I want to do. If I'm directing something like that, that is exactly how I would use the medium. So mm -hmm. that really, really helped sell this for me because it was, 
you're all over the place. Like people are talking from here and people are talking from here and something coming from all around you. And like when Richard Kind turned up, he was like definitely loud yeah. everywhere. And like, it was, it was just great. And I like how they hint with the, with the phone calls with him and then we're in spoilers. So Bill Hader, you know, like I didn't necessarily, I knew it was Richard Kind. I didn't necessarily know it was Bill Hader. I didn't even necessarily know it was Patty Lapone. So that was curious. But I want to talk about this guilt because it's the beginning and the mm. end. So even the mother, the mommy issues thing, I didn't really care much about it until Patty Lapone showed up. But guilt opens the movie. It's the only yeah. thing the therapist writes on the paper. And then at the end, he's convicted, so he's guilty. So like guilt apparently is is this through line on one layer of the onion that Ari Aster has unleashed. Does that inform the way we see this movie to you at I don't all? Know. I, that... I want to. I want to stop you for a second. I want to ask, what do you think happened? <laughs> because, like they mentioned at the beginning, that these new drugs are experimental. I mean, yeah. Like, did he even leave his apartment ever? Did he is ever leave his childhood home? And ever? like, is it like as the progression through all of this imagery? Like, is, are these drugs taking him on a trip, showing him everything that he fears the most so that he can deal with it? And the end where the, the boat flips is a statement on the fact that sometimes you just can't overcome your anxiety. I don't think it's... I mean, the drugs are related to it, but I, I don't think that's the deeper layer. I don't think, I don't See, think that's the what, answer is... See, that's drugs. what I got from it. It was like he was shown everything that, he could, that was affecting his life at this point uh, and was faced, forced to deal with it. Uh, and and in the end, it was just too much, and the boat overturned, and he sank. I think it's a reminder that yeah. no matter how many drugs you take, it's just going to help you see things differently, but it's not necessarily going to solve or cure all of world peace. I don't know. Because he's mm. also, the, as the boy, he's on all of those drug posters in the house, yes. so it's like... I know what you mean, David. He may, I think there's definitely... You know, claims to be made with all the the use of water I mean, at the end. I even me wondered if he was still in the bathtub. Yeah, even mm. I mean, even mm. that if it's if it's like that stuff did happen, but not as he like it, how he was seeing it because he or was on these like, drugs. Or is this like Donnie yeah. Darko with the director's like, oh no, he um he died, and it's like no. <laughs> I forget what the Donnie Darko director said. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious by the end of that film he died. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think, uh, Dave, I think what you just said is why I have such an issue with this film and sometimes with his work in general. Hmm. I have a buddy at school who describes... What we, school? We both are... are yeah, sure. Are very <laughs> drawn to... Uh, <laughs> not the school oh, Ari went to, the, uh, the, other, the other Los Angeles film school. Um, this buddy of mine is also really into really fucking dark stuff, just like hmm. I'm a big David Lynch fans and everything. And we saw Wait, a you Gaspar, are? Uh, Gaspar Noé uh, film a couple of years ago that was Jesus. just like <laughs> relentless and really sad. And like his stuff's really challenging. And my friend said, you know, I struggled with it just because um, there was no hug at the end of it. And I knew mm. exactly what he meant by that. You don't need to have a happy ending. I'm not yeah. saying that. But I am looking for some kind of deliverance some kind of catharsis, maybe even a tinge of not, I don't know that, I don't know if the character needs to have hope, but maybe that the filmmaker is giving you something. Mm. And if I'm being totally honest, there's just part of me that was like, Ari Aster is so good at what he does. Yeah. And he's playing with fire with these themes. Mm. 
and some of the literal behavioral issues like anxiety and depression. And he chose to end his film after putting us through three fucking hours of obstacles at one after the other where he cannot get a grip on that mountain he's trying to climb to solve his problems. And he has him fucking drown in front of you. And I was just, there was just yep. too much of me that was like, it's the get China- me the fuck out of here, dude. dude. It's, this it's, is it's just, the Chinatown ending. It's not, though. Because at least with the Chinatown the ending. The lead leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and not, you know, I mean, not just that. Like, it, again, it made me rack my brain. I was like literally trying to think of all of my favorite really fucked up movies to be like, why is that? Why does that work? And this bothers me so much. Why does some of, you know, Ari's work just seem to always have that thing at the end where he doesn't leave you feeling like, isn't there a chance? Mm. I don't know. It just made me think like what you said, Dave, about the people walking out. Um and this is just me making an observation. Like he's a super talented filmmaker. I'm not taking anything away from yeah, him. No. But the people who do struggle with anxiety so much that they will resonate with this movie. What is he saying to them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like there's a part of me that's like, this is a very, this is a, you do have some kind of responsibility and I don't know. It just really scared me. My theater, even the nervous laughers, nobody was laughing at the end of that fucking movie. Yeah, no. no nobody. You- and everybody was like, you heard people walking out. Everybody was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Actually, Nobody was like, what a fucking wild ride. Like, oh, man, that was so intense. Like, I don't know. So I, I guess think that to was... Your com- Sorry, you got John. Sorry. No, no, no. You're saying to the comment about guilt. Like, I think my issue with all these themes is that for me, I think they were explored to the extent that he needed to use them to fuck up his audience and his protagonist. I don't know if they were fleshed out so that you can actually understand what they can be in the entire human experience when you're trying to overcome emotional difficulty, which is maybe call me mm. call me old fashioned in that way, but no, I think that that's, that's fine. I, that's I, kind I mean, of what stories are supposed to do, <laughs> and I feel like this story. There is a moment at the end when he walks out of the house and he gets on that boat, and I was like. Oh my God, this is so beautiful. He put us through hell to yeah. get here. Yeah. But yeah. We're finally here and he's going to sail off into the abyss. And I'll st- I can still imagine maybe he's dead in his bathtub. He overcame his fears and now he's in the unknown and the abyss of the sea. I can still totally imagine maybe he's dead. Yeah, if it's maybe he right couldn't there. make it. But there was something <laughs> and, so and with beautiful. The, with the Odyssey, that is going to the afterworld, right? Even with the, uh, the Truman Show thing with the arena. Yeah. I was like, all right, fuck this. I was going insane again. I was like, God, he can't help himself. He's relentless. He's just, he's just fucking drowning. He's killing us. Even then when he finally freaked out and started screaming, help, help, help. I was like, we're here. I was right there with him. I was like, he's finally doing it. He's finally screaming. He's finally calling out for the help that he really needs from everyone. And he got really quiet, you know, when he like gets still. And I was like, I thought maybe he was going to have them all stand up and clap for him, or maybe the audience was going to disappear and he was going to be just totally alone. I just did not see him being like, you know what I think about people trying to overcome their problems? They're going to fucking die one day. Maybe it's going to eat them alive. (laughs) It was him ignoring cries for help like he did earlier in the film. Or it's like them ignoring ignoring it. Them ignoring the cries of help. When when the guy was calling, just help, 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 help me, help me. Well, he was running to the what's, pharmacy. But what's but what's funny is we know that he made the right choice not to help them because people were getting stabbed and like you know. Yeah. I used to say, yeah. but I used to say about New York City, I was like, you can't live in New York City and be a good Christian. 
because you just you just step over homeless people every day. Otherwise, you'd have no money and just people begging and people pooping in front of your property. There's no way you could do it. I just, I, I'm, it's kind of a joke, but in this movie, they justify. I'm with you both, except that I think at the end, it's it's I think it's trying to turn the mirror, which is why I almost think, and I don't want to give suggestions because I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I almost wish it was a theater and not an arena. So that way it would be an obvious mirror. So it would basically be like, would you help him? Now that you know this person, he looks like a decrepit homeless yeah. person and you would probably ignore him too. So I thought he was going to turn the mirror more sharply, but he didn't. And then I just saw this boat and watched him drown. And so it was actually one of the weirdest endings of any movie ever, which is and why I think Joaquin while. Phoenix, it's why I think Joaquin Phoenix probably loved it. He was probably like, yeah, fuck, yeah. The, fuck the audience, man. Yeah. Do you see me at the Oscars that year where I had to hand out the last award and then call it? Like, that's what I felt anyway. Like, that's me in real life. So fucking drown I, yeah, him. I, Let's go. I want to see all of those cunts leave the theater with a thousand yard stare. Because that's what happened. Because that's exactly. because <laughs> That's and what I happened. That, well, because everybody left slowly at the end. So they were. he was very self-aware that he was like, people are not going to be leaving this movie they're, they're not going to be happy with me. Someone was waiting for something else to happen and it just doesn't. Do you see the way they left? They all left quietly, yeah. like yeah. one at a time, single file. Nobody, some people stayed Actually, a little no, longer the people in front of me were having popcorn. a fucking conversation. No, but... I'm talking about in the movie. You... <laughs> in the movie, the people in the arena that were leaving, all of whom were dressed like us today. So it's, it's but, but I'm with you. I think it's very interesting that 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 point I almost thought was comedic and it, it justified Joaquin's look, this exasperated, like, what the fuck did I do the whole time? And even the stuff with the Truman Show thing, like turn the yeah, TV like, on what, or, what did or he don't do? <laughs> don't in um what's what's what was written on the, the napkin? Don't incriminate yourself with yeah. what? Is he a criminal? You know, like what exactly are we talking it, about? When the here? when the TV like he skipped forward and it started showing the future, like the yeah. people behind me were the freaked was, out. Yeah. It could have done more like, with that. Freaked out. But like but they <laughs> They made him seem very sane at the beginning, actually, which yeah. theoretically would have... Whoa, that is a loud motor vehicle. <laughs> That's Dave's going to filter out that nobody's going to hear in our podcast. No, I'm not. No, there's no filter on Earth that could filter out that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get that at the beginning, it's it's grounded. It's more grounded. I'm going to say this again because I want to talk about the play in a second, which the play is... Uh, that hit me the deepest in the movie. Oh. For sure. Mark Mark, kind of passed out. Sorry, Sorry, Mark. Sorry, he admitted it though. He like sort of he's out answering it. But for me, that was the most emotional I was in the theater. It was, it was actually beautiful, um, and it was beautiful. The way they transitioned between scenes, the way Joaquin was such a good sport, that was it for me. But the beginning was very grounded, and I it was completely justified in his decisions. So like to him to be this wealthy heir, why is he living like that? And all of that kind of stuff it doesn't matter because he was so grounded. I get it. But then the way it ends. I I don't go from A to Z very well. You know what I mean? I each chunk I got. But the whole journey, I'm still, I, I don't know. They just seem like different puzzle pieces that'll never fit together to me. Yeah. I yeah. don't even know if we were supposed to believe that the reality of his environment at the beginning was just how he was experiencing right. regular, what we would call mm. normal life. How Fox News viewers um, think of New York City, yeah, even right? though they, crime they rates really, are down. They really took the I worst qualities out, of humanity and just ramped them to 11. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah. which, you know. The anxiety, like I think there's a lot of truth to how people who really struggle with that might experience everyday right. life. And the question um, you have to ask, is that is that how people who live outside America see America? They should. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> maybe. I don't think it has anything to do with America no. at all, though. Fuck. I think it's definitely more psychological. I was, feel like that was I, definitely, I that was was definitely supposed to be like, New York, though. That was supposed to be New York, right? It was New York. I think they filmed it in New York. Well, I know they filmed um, it there, but that's what it was supposed to be. Right. I feel like I'm coming down because I do feel, you know, I, I clearly I didn't, I don't think I liked this as much as you guys did, but I do want to point out the. It's okay um, not to like it. 
This is one of those ones where it's okay not to like it. We still felt yeah. something the whole time. This is what you said. He did, he. You the way still he had ended an emotional movie, reaction. The way like, he ended this movie, he doesn't want you leaving going, I liked that. So even though, yes, you wish the... F- maybe, well, anyway, I don't want to speak for you, but he knew. He, he knew. I think I'm actually... I actually respect that. I think I like this more because I knew he sat there and went, I'm okay. I, I want... I, he needed people to leave this movie not liking it in order to pull off what he did. If everybody liked it, he fucked up. I, I just believe... It's so bold. That's fair. It's so bold. Yeah, of course. Of course. Have, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, the opening was really, really brilliant. I really enjoyed the, the birth sequence. The yeah. Very beginning. I thought that was I uh, caught really what effective. that was real quick. But if I'm being honest, the first two major sequences in New York City in the apartment and Nathan Lane's house, just... As soon as he ran away from them, I was like, thank fucking Christ, the story is beginning. <laughs> when he was in the woods, I was like, finally, this movie is beginning. Like, just because, again, he's such an effective filmmaker. Yeah. I don't know what was achieved in those two sequences about how anxiety feels and how he perceives the world and the doubt he has with the guilt. I got all of that so I mean, quickly. I, I, think that was ri- was just- I think that was ripped from the Odyssey. Like, was, was that family the Lotus Eaters, the people who tried to trap him there? Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Because they they wanted um, to keep him. He was a surrogate. So it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was stuck there. He, he was, kept trying to leave. And they're like, no, the, stay another the, day. Stay not another the best day. Surrogate. <laughs> but like they they were constantly trying to get him to just through circumstance to stay another day. God, that daughter. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Going no, I'm sure you're right. If he was, if there were literal Odyssey, you know, adaptation parallel elements, then I, I think that yeah, was. You know, I guess. I guess those things are um, are necessary to achieve that parallel. Whether or not they're necessary to make me feel what I felt, you know, forty minutes hmm. before he left that house. That is definitely uh, a yeah. <laughs> you know, again, not having a big it went on for oversight. a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta. I don't know. It is just as Paul Thomas Anderson has admitted um, that. Uh, yeah, Magnolia is, as he calls it. Uh, master turbulently long. <laughs> he mm. says, you know, like, I know it's too long. Like, if I could recut it, I would. Like, he was like, you know, I wouldn't have changed anything at the time, but looking back, you know, this is, it was stretched. Um, this one kind of gave me those vibes, if I'm being honest. Like, every single moment within those sequences, I was writhing in my seat. My, I wanted to jump out of my skin. I was going insane. So, like, he was achieving what I think he wanted me to feel in those moments. But I don't know if I had an evolution that that justified the length of those sequences because I felt like his character started being the most affected mm-hmm. by the brilliant sequence in the forest that led into the theater, yeah, you know, animated sequence. See, I feel like I'm, that was I'm when a, like I'm a big, things really I'm a big off. fan of story. Um, like I've studied a lot of story. Like I have a, I have Robert, Robert McKee's story book. I carry that with me everywhere I go. Um, but like I feel like the story of this. And the fact that, like, Wakun was able to, like, to communicate the story. And, I, I again, I say by any other actor, this might have been silly and distracting. Um, but the, the, the fact that he just took this journey and held you for three hours. Like, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I was distracted that I needed to pee for three hours. Did you have to pee for three hours? I had to pee for about half an hour. Oh, I, I prepared. <laughs> but, yeah. Sorry. No, I went right before the movie, but, dude, it, it gets worse. <laughs> So, like, it was 
I feel like it did its job. Like he held me, the story held me. No matter how weird it got, I was like, I was already on this journey. I'm like, we're in, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's go. How weird is this going to get? And remember, for some reason, this resonated yeah. with me really well. Remember when Joaquin Phoenix used to be billed as Leaf Phoenix? Oh. The very beginning of his career, yeah, his cult parents, <laughs> River and Leaf. I do have a really important question. What's up? Do you think they ordered a Parker Posey sex doll for the carryout scene? I, I was curious about the doll. I was about that as well. Or <laughs> Parker Posey is that good of a sport. She <laughs> is on board. I, that sequence was really wild for me. That was obviously for everybody the, with the Mariah Carey. Let me just replay that. What a choice. Did yeah. they not get a second song? Did they, that I, I don't was know. really funny. Yeah. yeah. She was funny, dude. That whole sequence was funny. And I respect to her for getting naked and really showing it. Like, I really respected that. I thought that was good. Um, all right, let's cut. Let me cut straight to the fat. For, through the fat for a second i really want to ask you guys what you thought the giant dick in the attic the giant was. cock in the attic well because so she said that's your father i upstairs. feel like it was me so. no. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it it again that's that's one of the things that led me towards he was experiencing all of this from his medication and was wasn't actually there it was like he was locked in the attic which he was like he saw himself as a child locked in the attic and the whole problem was his penis uh and that was kind of instilled in him by his mother it's like you know this guy came and then died and so he was obsessed with that sort of thing and then the the constant threat that he felt chasing him is the whole way through his life came in and killed the penis I, it was yeah I, I don't know it was, it was huh the penis, the penis is dead. killed him actually which yeah, is kind of the question yeah, of the penis, penis did kill him that's that's true like so the penis is that's still the, question the I was penis actually is still rampaging at. out there and might get a sequel in a movie of its own well, and the guy yeah. who was attacking so, him is ended up just attacking this cock and she said that's your so father that's up there wanted, so is the, is the cock the father or is he the father is is that him locked in the attic yeah Sorry, well, I That's think I, I feel like the father appeared there, he, and then the um, giant cock appeared there, and it was like the giant cock was very scene stealing. He should tone it down a bit. <laughs> the question I wanted to get at was that I think it's obvious that the dick represents his father, like the the fear of you're going to die, then like who's he the actually guy? was real. Then who's the guy? But in the what it was confusing to me was that in that lovely the lovely parabolic parabolic story of the narr- that the narrator gives in the theater animated sequence of the wolf will be released to hunt you down. Like yeah. we all know what that feels like. The anxiety monster, it's always on your tail, but then it, I, I, it's is, one of those intellectual moments where it's one of those <laughs> intellectual moments where I got a little confused because why did his deepest fear kill his anxiety? The representation of his anxiety of the hunter that confused me for just a moment. It was, it was, I, I just, it got, it brought me out of the emotional, like, oh my God, this is crazy. What's happening? Yeah. It just made me think for a second. I was wondering also, if you the, guys took something more The geography more clear of that house kept fucking changing. That didn't bother me at all. But, okay. But, um, but I, I know what you mean. I, well, I, I was curious, like, cause she said it's not a, it was a memory, but the memory was a boy getting taken upstairs. So either she, the mom raped a boy or the father was a boy. Or it was Bo because we never no, saw I thought Bo. That was, I thought that was Bo. He had been punished and he had been sent up there at least once or many times. Yeah. And there was a version of him that for the rest of his life was trapped in the attic, terrified and afraid. And he was scared to confront that side of him. So that's where his fear, you know, manifested and itself. He eats, and he eats dog food. 
But when they killed the yeah. hunter, I was genuinely confused when, when the, the dick the when the dad's dick killed the hunter after Bo's dick didn't kill him but killed someone else. Very confusing. This is why this is where, like, if we're getting specific here, this is where this sequence at the end was so breathtakingly filmed. But the actual knick-knack story to, storytelling elements, his fear killed his anxiety, and then he exits that place and whether or not he chose to do it or if, if it was just an adrenal re reaction, he kills his mom. Now, of course, the guilt is still there. I'm not saying the guilt is gone. I'm not saying mm. he totally overcame everything, but he kills her and then he leaves. And then basically, I guess, his guilt causes him to kill himself. Yeah, in, I mean, in a sense. Yeah. that would checks out, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's terrified of Richard Kind, so that's why we probably see him because, why, first of all, why is Richard Kind's message full? this lawyer but like it makes sense that he was he is the lawyer but it makes sense that richard kind is in this last sequence of his where we, we have to imagine the end is all just joaquin that any sense of semblance of reality is yeah. gone it's not the yeah. truman show because the truman show has a macro element of this this is all in inside becomes outside or vice versa yeah this is, yeah, this is the truman it. show if the truman show was in hell like yeah, seriously yeah, or, if the, or if the only people were watching were inside his fucking head or something or inside or the people yeah, in yeah, it's, it's being we john malkovich <laughs> i don't know if any of this was real i mean i don't know if she that's what i was, was saying actually yeah. if she was actually are doing, you i mean are you suggesting really, john that ari aster still isn't sure if it was real or not i think he definitely wanted you to be unsure if any yeah. of this was real yeah i feel, I feel like there is an answer that. Uh, and we'll get it at some point. I don't but know if we'll get it. <laughs> no, we'll get it at some point, I'm sure. But at, for now, he wants everyone to be questioning the fuck out of what they just saw. Because we've taken yeah. three different points of view from it, which is great. Here's a fear I have. This is a fear I have, because we talked about this with other movies. And I don't think Netflix should not... I don't think Netflix should feel guilty for giving In Your Reach of so much money for Bardo, even though I doubt that they got their money's worth, unless it played well in different markets. I don't know a single person besides John who saw it, and you saw it in a theater. So I, I, I wonder if A24 is like, this is why we don't do this. I just hope that's not the takeaway from this movie, even though it shouldn't be about the money, but only time will tell. Hopefully in five years, people find a narrative that we are sitting here trying to figure out, you know, in our little podcast, but well, I, mean, I wonder if, if A24, A24 will listen to this show this. and go, if they confuse those fucking guys. I mean, again, I'm, I'm happy that yeah, I, right. I stayed with it the whole time. So good for A24 yeah. sprays and praise a little bit. They had a good year last year. Yeah. You know, they did a lot of Oscar movies and stuff, but this is, this is, this is very I, I feel like this may turn up at the Oscars. I don't I know, man. I don't think be... this is the kind of movie that goes to the Oscars. Yeah, I don't know. I think this movie will be it's very similar to the the life that Midsommar has had. You know, he seems to have a very passionate following. It's not a very huge <clears throat> audience, but people <clears throat> people respect him who are in a part of that audience, and the people within that audience, you know, they're going to worship everything he does, you know, for the rest of his life. So I feel like they're. A24 is like, I bet they would, I wouldn't be surprised if they feel in a positive way, kind of obligated to carry the mantle of like, we make Ari Aster movies. You know, that's, he's one of our, he's one of the True. jewels in our crown. Yeah. People expect us to make his stuff. And I don't know what kind of streaming deal, you know, this will eventually get. I know Midsommar has had a huge, a huge um, 
very successful run on Amazon Prime. I yeah. think that's where it's been since it dropped. I think it's Showtime actually. Service. No, it's Amazon. It's Prime. I saw it on Prime. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's been on Prime for most of the time. So I also think this I was, is what I was looking for to watch not... beforehand. The only place you could find it was yeah. Showtime. What? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeff, talk a little bit more about the. More. What did you love so much about the theater sequence? Because <laughs> okay, I loved good. it too. I thought it was um, like when it was sitting in the proscenium shot. That was like one of my favorite five minutes of the whole movie. I, yeah, I, actually, they... I dude, I actually thought of you during that. <laughs> yeah, because I remember us yeah, talking like about that. Like this. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've discussed that a like mm-hmm. a proscenium shot. Um, and I yeah, I was like, he's gonna love this bit. Dave's right. This is Midsummer. Really, I'll answer your question, but. It's only on Showtime. It's not on Prime. So I don't know what happened because I watched it on Prime, of course. They go everywhere. Licensing deals are weird. That was quick, though. Yeah. I thought they had multiple years. Um, I well, I think narratively, I just think that 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 was I thought they wanted sort of from the audience for us to sort of see these conundrums we have played out on screen. Or at least that's what Ari Aster was going for. I thought maybe I don't know. I was wrong, but then to to have Bo go through this very deep level, it's almost the end of two thousand one. It's like you know this weird kind of stuff that we go to these types of theaters to see these these type of movies mm. in the theater. We go to see these kinds of things where it's so transversive and it's so like you watch these you watch all of the onion peel layers together. They're not even getting unpeeled. They're all on screen together at the same time, and. I the movie wasn't was, over yet. It was the very movie, mixed media. Yeah, and the, and the movie wasn't over yet. So I was kind of thinking, okay, I, I this this should be the whole movie. You know, maybe they should slow it down and have him actually live these things. But I loved the way that they were speeding through them so quickly. And I was like, okay, so now we're getting to the point. <laughs> I kind of thought that it was very, in, it was so direct. You know, even though it was very storytelling, it was very abstract. It was kind of like, uh, the 25th hour Brian Cox like the the you know the fake story that Edward Norton yeah. sees it was kind of um, you know in Harry Potter when they went oh yeah we're in the seventh book and we forgot to mention this shit so let's just tell you the story about the the three brothers or whatever and it's like that sequence is just so it was captivating in okay in musical theater go with me for a second in this is a piece of theater in musical theater what song should do is take you from A to Z in a way that like our scene couldn't do so if we just had a little conversation, it's not going to get a huge life-changing decision in two minutes, but a song can do that. So I thought this sequence took the narrate narrative that I thought was getting a little stagnant and I didn't know what was going on. And I wanted him just to go to the jungle and to turn into fucking, you know, what lies beneath or um, what dreams may come or those kinds of, I was ready for that when he went into the jungle and then it became station 11. I just got, oh my God, Siri just gave me the what dreams become synopsis. So anyway, <laughs> I hope I'm not rambling too much about this, but the long story short is I, I thought the jungle was going to be this and it wasn't the jungle, it was the play. And so I thought the play was going to be it. I thought it was going to be the thing. And then we just went right back to the same business as usual. And so I was a little bummed ultimately towards the end because that yeah. was the highlight. That was just the highlight of the movie for me. I think I, I, think I completely agree with that because it really... Again, I just keep coming back to, and I, I, this is clearly the point. I'm not saying I'm not trying to sound ignorant. Ari Aster very successfully proved that these kinds of characters will never escape their pain. That was his intention. I think he just found a lot of ways to do that. But you know, generally speaking, we're looking for things to affect characters and change them over time. And this was such a good example of that element 
um, being something where I really felt like they were showing us, it, they were showing him change over time within that story. And then they do this thing where he meets his kids. He's like, I'm me. This is my story. And you're like, oh my God, what is happening? This is brilliant. Yeah. And then it comes back to the dick. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, and then here comes his anxiety out of the forest, shooting everybody up. And I was like, all right, all right. There's, and I just kind of, I mean, he, again, he, he nailed it. That's, I think that was his goal. He very effectively, every single time I was like, maybe there's a chance that something else is going to happen in this story to help Joaquin Phoenix evolve. He was like, no. And like, just something would come in and just relentlessly, you know, just knock you down a peg and just make you feel like there's no escape. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was, was totally like- the deal. So for me, that was the only moment. And I think, I think that's the ultimate takeaway that I'll, I'll just say, and this, this is, this might sound like a criticism, but I hope it's just more of an observation because I don't think he wanted it to feel this way. I think he did it on purpose. A lot of my favorite work in general, but definitely the darker, more challenging stuff from the absurd to really intense, realistic drama, there should be something transcendent about the experience of watching it. And for me, this was very purposefully not transcendent. And I think that's what I struggled with so much. The theater sequence did feel like that until it finished. So when it went back to the rest of it, and all the way through the ending where it just wasn't transcendent. I think I was just waiting for something like that. And he's, he's not, he was, he did not want to give that <laughs> give to that us. So. To no. Yeah. So um, I guess that's why you you guys responded to it in a more positive way. Maybe I don't you know, didn't I, I also, expect it or want it. From a filmmaking perspective, that sequence involving a lot of mixed media, like there was some set builds that had the animation on them. Um, there was, then it went to full animation. Then we're back to mixed media again with like the, the people sitting on stage, but the fire was burning in an animated fashion in the background. Yeah. yeah um, she was reading yeah. the story. Yeah. And like that sort of thing still conveys the storytelling aspect. Um, there was that. Sure. And there was also uh, like, I mentioned before that it was beautifully shot, but like there was some stuff like the lighting in the psychiatrist's office. Like, did you look where the shadows were coming from? Because they literally were using diffusion cloths in as like speckled shadows so when he walked in and sat down at the psychiatrist's office he sat with half his face simulating like a three-point lighting setup but like that half was dark and this half was lit but it was all lit by the one light and mm-hmm. it, it was like the shadow was coming from the, the direction of the lighting but when you got the answering shot there was no thing there that could have provided that lighting and stuff like that like that that sort of filmmaking technique really responded to me i was like that's i think fucking there's a lot clever. of there's definitely a lot of like manipulative filmmaking stuff yeah. i mean he's again he's he's a he's an absolute genius with with the execution of his choices to make you feel something to play with you i mean i'm not questioning his filmmaking ability at yeah. all did you notice the camera on the desk in the therapist's office? No, I didn't. No. I have a feeling Elizabeth pointed it out, and I was like, "Fuck!" I did. It, I have a feeling there are breadcrumbs like that all over this. Just the weird duck build thing in the background of one shot. Monitored. Yeah, the penguin was sitting yeah. in the tree. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like yeah. that where I think he was like, eh, "I don't need to answer that. Nope. I don't need to make sense of that." Um, but whether or not that works. Uh, in terms of structure, kind of Jeff, you were speaking a little bit more like structurally. I think, you know, I agree with you with that, with that too, that 
sometimes I think we we kind of expected certain things to happen just out of the structure. And I guess he was just trying to subvert that as well. And he decided to take three hours to make that statement. Yeah. Um, hmm. I should also say the music was done by the Haxon Cloak. <laughs> I've never heard that, but that's an awesome name. I really liked the music. I did too. I actually the kept vocalist. Look- yeah, you know I really loved the the vocal. I mean, the audio mix in general was genius. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, it was the fantastic. Cinematographer uh... Paolo Pokorzelski, but I just really quick about the music. Very early on, they had a Largo theme that I'd never really heard before, so I shazammed it, of course, in the movie theater. And then later on, I thought there was a new piece of classical music, but it was original music, but it mirrored that so well that like it tricked my ear in a way. So like they took a common church hymn piece not 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 him as in like you would have sung it in like southern baptist school or whatever but like you know in the baroque era churches they would have like a boy choir it was castrated you know so that they would sing high into their 50s um sing this like beautiful piece and then the rest of the score mirrored that which already exists so i I thought that was pretty clever with the music sorry that's it yeah i feel like we're done (laughs) <laughs> okay. sure. just I mean, say it we bluntly were, Dave no, we were, turned over we were worried like, this was going to be a yeah. short episode we've gone an hour right ah. <laughs> I hope people who have seen this movie should expect nothing less yeah, go and, work. Yeah, we're trying to work through this to go see this movie I think so I mean take from it what you will and it is a journey um, but yeah I, I think I would recommend going seeing this please see it so I have somebody else to talk to about I'm just I want to hear everybody's take <laughs> Not, yeah. not that I didn't like this from YouTube, but I just want to hear everybody's take. That's I don't even know thing. Mark's this take, is, and this... I saw we saw we talked yeah, to him yeah. afterwards. I still don't Mark, know Mark couldn't talk about it. He was he was fucked up. <laughs> it's a lot, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he asked about long movies because Matt doesn't want to see any long movies anymore. And as I said, I was like, I just rewatched Godfather Two and Goodfellas, and it's pretty happy with the length of time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to them yourself? to cut anything. Like, Come on, Dave. These are two of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I don't think this one's Godfather 2, but it certainly is something memorable. I'll, I'll, I'll remember things about this for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Joaquin's yeah. a good Are selling point. I'm glad I have that. I was like, guys, don't you want to see Joaquin? I know he has Napoleon coming out and then he's got Joker 2 and all this shit, but like, come on, this is this should be on Busy the like, mantle. Yeah. Mm. Good for yeah. him. All right, people. It's now officially time for our final segment, which you've been watching, where we give you our recommendations of the week and tell you what we've been watching Dave, we like to start with you. You ready to give the people you your do. recommendations? Sure. Uh, I watched a film. I, I think it was on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called Doors. It's a sci-fi anthology. I've gone on a big, big sci-fi kick this week. Um, it is three stories involving doors that start appearing on Earth, uh, and you go cool. through them, and people disappear, and then they start sending teams through the volunteers through them. And it, one of the anthology films covers what happens inside the door, and it's fucked up as shit and yeah another one involves a, a scientist communicating with the door but it's 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 like an anthology film so it, it was as far as low budget sci-fi goes pretty cool nice yeah um i was not expecting something so cool to come out of it and on paramount plus uh, i don't know if i plugged this before i think i missed it last week uh greece rise of the pink ladies oh you watched it dude seriously i put this on going oh fuck it i'll just watch it see what it is it is amazing like they start off with a full-length version of greece that introduces all the major cast there's songs in every episode it's relevant to modern society even though it's set in the 50s before 
Greece happens, um, or like just before Greece happens, and like it's really good. I was like Shit. laughing. It's the Greece two we should have had. <laughs> okay, I won't buzz you, but as I think we got exactly what we deserved out of Greece two. <laughs> Greece twos, colon money grab, John. <laughs> I'll drink myself for that. I uh, <laughs> I watched. I'm still going with uh, Better Call Saul. I'm absolutely loving that show. It's so good. Yeah, um, man. I saw um, Wong Kar Wai's 2046, uh, which was really beautiful, really, really beautiful, intense art house film. And then I watched uh, Blazing Saddles the other night. I hadn't seen that in a long yeah, time. Yeah, was funny. Where did that come from? Why Blazing Saddles? It was, it was like on a recommended for you on HBO Max on my profile. It's I can't so believe you funny. haven't seen it. It's been sitting up there for a while. I was like, yeah, like I'll just seriously, who the fuck hasn't seen Blazing Saddles? Like, it's pretty great. What lines that out? What's your favorite line? I can't repeat them. Okay, <laughs> somebody's gonna have to go back, go back and get a shitload of dimes. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna let you get audio clips of me quoting <laughs> Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Anyone moves and he gets it. Yeah, Dave's trying to get our TikTok numbers up um, oh at our own expense. All right, well, guys, I'm finally caught up on Succession. I haven't watched any of it yet. I'm waiting. I know you haven't. I know you're avoiding the spoilers, but there was a huge something. It was an event that you know altered the course of the season. Comes up, and I, I loved it so much. I watched the episode twice, even though I knew what the event was. I knew what the spoiler was. So that's how good it was. This is how good my week was to my Succession fans, because I'd never said the Succession was the best show on TV. People would say it. I'd always be like, yeah, I don't know. I watched the last two episodes of season three, which I think the finale of season three was the best episode up until that point. It was it was the the um the the wedding in the Europe to my friends who have seen it and then the the sales coming and then this episode is, is probably even beat that it was so fantastic so kudos and I loved it so much I watched In the Loop the mm. movie from 2009 the British satire starring Tom Hollander who I love and Anna Chomsky of Veep and Peter Capaldi and just this incredible cast but it's directed by uh, by um. Iannucci, Armando Iannucci, who created Veep, and it was co-written by Jesse Armstrong of Succession. So that was my in. I was like, I want to see more from this fucking British. These two Brits have made two of the best American shows. Veep <laughs> and Succession were made by British people. It's fucking, man, they're coming here and they're better at, than what we do at our own shit. So, Sucks. British Invasion. That's watching. Finish Mandalorian. Mandalorian finished. <laughs> just fine. It's still, it's still, you know, number three on the list of the best seasons of Mandalorian. And I still don't know if it really got its footing back. Sorry, Chris. But like it, 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 it ended well. Yes, it did. Well. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. Don't you dare tell me that. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. It was awesome as pushing it. I was very happy uh, yeah, with it. Yeah, see, awesome, awesome is from someone who's seen all the stuff that they referenced. <laughs> okay. If you say that you like the references and so that justifies they kidnap somebody at the end of the episode and then the next episode he just escapes like that. It's like, come on, guys, you've got to be better than that. You can't. I, I just think they ignored the adults when they wanted to make a family friendly prestige drama. Now they made a kids friendly prestige drama. I thought that was cheap. But anyway, I disagree. Little... I, disagree. I thought it was fucking awesome. He escaped in three seconds. What, what was the point of kidnapping him if he's going to escape that easily? I just think that's bad narrative tension. structure. The bullshit. Then they fucking pissed their tension away. They had him kidnapped. They earned their kidnap. And then they went, ah, fuck it. It's like, I, we, nah, we, 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 we changed our minds. That's what they did. But anyway. Like pushing Jeff's buttons. 
Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm trying to be positive at the show since we've had a friend who worked on it and he did great work. Positive. I love the show. I, um, I don't just, like. I don't like take back anything I said. I thought yeah, it was fucking fuck awesome. You. I enjoyed it great. Really. Also. I love the way they set up next season. I know they haven't yeah. announced another season. They're going to give a next season. And no, I they have. Fucking wait. I think this yeah. is going to be fantastic, the next season. So yeah. that's what I've been watching. Any other words before we head out, people? Good Ari yourself. Aster, give it up for him. <laughs> we love you, Ari. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around. We'll see you next time, film fans.